Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Amen. Amen. And so um, I just really appreciate you. Um, Kat is a prophet. So we're all prophetic. Um, we're all prophetic. Um, but if you read in Ephesians chapter 4, there's um, the fivefold ascension gifts that Jesus set into the church, the doma gifts, which are the building up of the church gifts. That's what the doma word means. Um, she's, a, she's a prophet in that ascension gifted prophet um, gift. Now, um, not to spend too much time on that. It's not my what I'm talking about today. But what she was saying, I really want to give a little bit of context. Like, we don't listen to demons. That's what psychics do. And so she's explaining some, some, I was just helping her just go, yeah, trust the Holy Spirit. And that what she was saying about the the enemy devil does not sow fear into psychics because they're on his team. (laughs) So you can go to a psychic reader don't, don't do that. <laughs> people, people do that though. Um, and they're going to sit there and get all kinds of things But because it's the psychic is sitting there and listening to demons and a person walks in and that psychic can listen to the demons that that person's walked in with. And of course that demon knows everything that that person's been doing and stuff that goes back generations. It's a familiar spirits, family, follow families. And so the person can sit there and say, I think your great aunt Ruth is telling me this happened to you. And it's because there's a demon sitting right there and the psychic has just tapped into the power of the devil and his kingdom and so they can give really accurate words. But Jesus destroyed all the power of the enemy. The only power the enemy gives him is when we listen to him and we submit again and through believing his lies. One of them is through some of the historical stuff that we've just heard too from so we, we live in the new covenant. We are filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is God and he is one now who has all the power. And so when he's telling us things, we receive them as a revelation. That's what makes us prophetic people. It's very, very simple, right? I am a prophetic person. You are a prophetic person because you can hear the Holy Spirit or see pictures, however it is that he wants to communicate to you, right? There's a lot of different ways that he'll communicate his word to you. And so you are a prophet. Say, I am a prophetic person. Amen. (laughs) So like every person, every single one of us is supposed to live in relationship with God. And that means we have to be able to be people who know how to hear his voice and respond to it. And that's just what it means to be prophetic people, okay? We receive his words through hearing words, seeing words, sometimes written words, sometimes seeing pictures, visions, whatever. Um, There's lots, not whatever. I'm not trying to, you know, that's a big deal to hear from God. But he wants us all to be doing it. This has gone really funny, right? Tinny. Is it tinny? Is it okay? Okay, just on my end. All right. <laughs> sorry, sorry, people. As they're sorting out, like we hand the microphones off to different people and they've got to sort out. They actually do such a great job. Um, so we're not going to listen to demons and we're not going to go to visit psychics. We're going to develop our own intimacy with the Lord and hear the Lord for ourselves, Right? And as we do that, we'll hear things for other people and give them prophetic words and give them encouraging words, right? That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Intimacy with the Lord. I am following the Lord. I am following the Lord. And to follow him, I have to hear his voice and know what his voice sounds like. Otherwise, I can't follow him, right? 
And so to be people who hear his voice and understand, understand this, walk this way, follow me this way, now follow me that way. Now, to hear his voice and be able to respond like that, that's what it meant to be in the Old Testament. They were originally called the followers of the way, Jesus' way. They were just called followers of Christ. Jesus said um, in the um, first chapter of Luke, he said to Nathaniel, come follow me, right? The following, we've got to hear his voice. And so that's what this is about. We're prophetic people because we hear his voice. So I'm going to read some scripture. But before I do, I'm just going to pray, okay? And Lord, I am talking today about um, being disciples and being followers of Christ. So I segued that. It's not, it's not me being that, careful, that, that, that funny or smart. It's like literally the Holy Spirit just helps you in these moments, right? So... Uh, God, we do say we are dependent on you. We do say we want you. We want more of you every single day. We want you to be the one informing our heart, informing our thinking, uh, building up our lives. We know we come in a relationship with one another in church and we encourage and build up one another. But God, it's got to come first from you. And you are God. Your word is true. Your word is authority. To us, it is what is unchanging. And I pray that we'd be people who live by the word of God that proceeds continually from your mouth and this scriptural word that you've left us with as well. God, it's the two things together that we base our whole lives on, that you are God and we listen to and obey you first and foremost above any other voice in this world. And God, I pray that we'd be people who understand what it means to really go deep in you, go so deep in you that we'd be confident, confident sons and daughters, confident in you, confident in our relationship with you, confident so that we can get up like Kat did and give a prophetic word and just say, I heard the word Jack or Hunter. God, help us be people who just know you so well and so confidently move and do the things you're asking us to do every single day, no matter what it is. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, being disciples of Christ, followers of Christ. Do you know, so we're talking about the last, since, since, Easter actually, I started at Easter talking about the spontaneous expansion of the church. That was the, Easter, that was the Easter message and since then we've just kept talking about the church, kept talking about the ecclesia, which is a, the Greek word ecclesia, ek and kaleo, it's ek is out from, kaleo is to call. We have been called out from the world, that's what the word means. And so called into the kingdom, God's kingdom, called into his kingdom of light. You can call it the kingdom of God. You can call it the kingdom of heaven. You can call it God's kingdom, the kingdom. It doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. There are only two kingdoms. There's God's and then that of the world belonging to the enemy, right? Only two kingdoms. And every single person on the planet is going to have to choose for themselves what kingdom they're going to belong to. But here's what... um, Here's what I wanted to talk about today. Famously, a lot of people will know Matthew 28. And I say famously because it's known as the Great Commission. Right, people, if I say, if I just start saying, if I say, oh, the Great Commission, people automatically, a lot of the time, oh, Matthew 28, Jesus' last words before he went and ascended. People know it. But I'm going to read it anyway because I don't want to assume everybody in the room does. And it's good to read scripture. (laughs) Anyway. Um, so Matthew 28, I'm reading from the ESV, if you um, are looking at digitally, you can change your translation. So from the ESV, Matthew 28, from verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He didn't say some. Okay, all authority, right? All authority has been given to me. 
Uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so I say famously it's called the Great Commission because it's, this scripture is talked about in the Protestant church um, all the time about being the moment where Jesus commissioned his disciples and then took off to heaven. And I say took off to heaven. I don't mean to minimize that. It was a very big moment. <laughs> but, uh, but he went to heaven so that they were told to go wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit would come. He went to heaven so that Holy Spirit could come. And now Jesus wasn't just present in one, with one person in the flesh before them. Now through the Holy Spirit, they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus is present in every single believer. So now it just wasn't one person doing ministry and people following his ministry around the Judean countryside. Now it was every single believer is filled with the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus is in the heart of every believer through the presence of the Holy Spirit in them, on them, around about us every day. And that's the whole point. That's the multiplication of Jesus' ministry happening in that moment. The moment you become a believer and, and then get filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, this multiplication of his ministry is meant to happen through your life in that moment, the very moment, because God is God who's just come on the inside of you. It's not a small thing. It's not a small thing to sit and pray with the one who created the heavens and the earth, right? We sometimes, I think sometimes, because I, I do this, I'm saying this because I do this. I don't want to. I repent when I find myself. I might come, you know, I sit with the Lord every morning. And I just sometimes, I'm, I'm tired, so I roll up with my coffee and I'm tired and I'm trying to read the Word. And it feels like it can be, a, I'm like, oh God, where are you? He's always there, He never leaves. But we can come into that moment tired sometimes. And that can, and if, or, or maybe, maybe it's not because I've just went, gone to bed late. Maybe it's because, I don't know, bills are sitting on you and causing you to worry. Maybe it's because there's a work situation or a relational situation. Stuff sits on us and then starts to stop us or hinder us from really entering into a place of great trusting relationship with him. And we forget, we forget that it's God who is sitting there with us. It's God who's there. The one who created everything we can see, everything that we can't even see, which is a bigger world, by the way, than the one we can see. He created everything intricately, like your thumbprint. No one has another thumbprint like your thumbprint. And he's detailed, God of the detail of the tiny, tiny things, but also then God of the detail of everything. Hung, hung the, the, the sun is still obeying it today like it did the first day he said, let there be light, <laughs> right? So, so that God <laughs> is the one who sits with you when you sit and read the Bible or when you sit and have a coffee and just spend 15 minutes, an hour, two hours, I don't know how long you spend time with him in, in your day, everybody's different, right? Maybe you're driving to work in an hour and that's your time with him. He's in the car with you, that God who created everything that you can see, think, not, not even see, inv things invisible, is that God who sits with you in the car and empowers you to go about your every single day. It's that God who said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. It's that God is with us even now in the room. So, when Jesus said in verse 20, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's what he meant. I, I am with you. The one, the one. 
Who likes The Chosen? Who likes to watch The Chosen? I love, I love it. I like watch the first season a few times and we'll do it again and cry over all the same scenes every single time. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Um, but, but I, you know, I don't know, maybe if you have your favourite moments, I don't know, there's a, a moment that I really love is, because I don't think Jesus comes into it until right at the end of the first season, but it's like Mary is running out of that, um, like a tavern, and, and she's upset, she's about to go end her life upset right and she's just done with life and and um just like people are today right covid suicide rates are up through the roof in america and around the world and it is a lie anyway um so she's on her way out of the tavern she doesn't even she doesn't even know this man hasn't, hasn't laid eyes on him and she's carrying she's carrying like one of those lanterns and he just goes mary and no one had even known that name because when she was a little girl, lost her dad in the story that she changed her name. And she just, the, the, the scene just goes dead because it like changes scenes and the, the, her, her um, lamp is dropped in the dirt. But such a sudden call to her, right? Mary! But he does that with all of us. Like he knows your name. And that God won't leave you. So I love, I love, I love the chosen. I think it's so well done. But but that's the same. That's the same way he knows you and has called you, and knows every detail. And he's unafraid of the details. He's so unafraid of the details. So I'm going to read now, um, Mark 16. It's the same little portion of scripture, but Mark tells it just a little bit different. Mark 16 from the ESV again, verse 15. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. But I'm going to read it again. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole, the whole creation. Because it's not just about people. It's about nations. It's about renewing cities. It's about renewing nations. It's about renewing school systems. It's about renewing education systems. It's about renewing the pharmaceutical system. It's about renewing the medical system, God wants it all. It all belongs to God, right? These systems get turned around because of believed lies and corruption and some corrupt leaders get in places like that. But the discipling that we are supposed to do is to all the world. It is to um, literally see farmland changed and become fruitful. If you can understand this, in Ecclesiastes, I've been working my way through Ecclesiastes, and um, it's a funny, it's a funny book, right? <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand this. Why is this verse here? Anyway, um, there's one verse that just says, um, "A good king is a king who sees all of the land cultivated and farmed." Like the Bible is so practical, so practical. But this is what this is about: it's discipling nations. And see, I said the Matthew 8, 28, 18, and the Mark sixteen verse fifteen verses. Is Jesus said, "Go into all the world." He wants all of the world to hear the gospel and be discipled. But it's the same command to Adam because he said to Adam, he said, "Go and um, take dominion." And then, and then after the fall, he said the same thing again to Noah. Now, Noah, start again. Go take dominion it was go cultivate and 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 uh, expand my kingdom and then by the way he said it to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob he said everywhere I'll put your foot and uh, I'll bless you as a nation but the nations through you will also be blessed right and go take it occupy multiply disciple discipleship is is me 
one-on-one -on -one with a neighbor who's just given her life to the Lord as I teach her how to read the Bible and teach her how to pray and love her and bring her into my life. But discipleship is also, also about discipling nations. It is also about having a school system, as you've mentioned, in the word pillar um, that you gave. Um, it's also about making sure that the next generation rising up are getting truth taught to them and are getting an education, not just being given horrible ideologies because the ideologies that are being taught through the school systems right now for the last 20 to 30 years have been infiltrated by communist teachings. And that has got to stop to disciple nations. We've got to stop that and restart it. And this is what the Reformation is about. Right? It's not just about the church. God is reforming. God is reforming. And so my work is in the church. And I, I've known that since I was about eight years old. He gave me my first vision about, about, about what he would do. And I don't, I don't even have a grid for that because no one in my world was having visions. I was like, what am I seeing? I don't really get this. But okay, I love you. And he just took me by the hand and kept teaching me. And so... It was, it was a picture, and I was eight, so the picture, it was kids my own age, right? So, but it was a picture of the whole of the world, and around the world was just these kids all the way around the world, and they were all hand in hand standing, like that paper cutout, you know that. But they were all around the globe, and it was colours, and I could see colours on all the people, I could see all different colours of skin, on, on, and I was eight years old, and I had a vision, and God was just like, this is what I want to do. And I knew at eight it meant unity, but I didn't even know what unity meant, right? But this is because God, God has a plan. So I, um, oh, I've got to help Jesus, help me. I'm going to read Luke 19. Luke 19, verse 10. This is from the NIV this time. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost it's actually in the original Greek, it doesn't say the lost as in the context of people lost people. In the original Greek is that which was lost. And the word is, um, the word it actually means from the Greek, it actually means everything that was lost at the fall. Everything that was lost at the fall. And what was lost at the fall? Relational between husbands and wives. What, what, farming, the way we do agriculture, the way we cultivate the earth. So much was lost at the, <laughs> our own salvation before God. Clearly, we were we became spiritually dead at that moment, but 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 everything that was lost at the fall is is returned because of the work that Jesus did. So Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost at the fall. Everything's been reinstated to us. He's one. He's one. <laughs> I'm saying that to my friend here because, yeah. It also means Jesus put an end to the ruin. The devil seeks to steal, kill, destroy. He seeks to ruin. He seeks to destroy. He seeks to corrupt. He seeks to counterfeit. And all he can do, by the way, is counterfeit because he's not creative. He only takes what God already made and pollutes it and turns it and counterfeits it, right? So we've got to be sharp enough, spiritually discerning enough to understand what it really means to be, uh, to, to discern to right, right from wrong, truth from lies. Ah, oh, I wasn't going to, I'm going to say this. <laughs> only because you <laughs> so I moved here I moved here permanently in 2000 the early early 2000 and um, we do not have a 24-hour news cycle in Australia oh we didn't at the time I still don't think we do um, we didn't have the 24-hour news cycle called CNN and whatever other channels that you have here 
And I remember my first couple of years here going, CNN, what do they stand? And I was like, it stands for Communist News Network. What are people watching? <laughs> and I, I literally, I started talking about that and people were like, that's McCarthyism, you should shut up. I'm like, McCarthy was right. <laughs> so, um, but um, I, I, I had to keep quiet on that. And, and I explained this the other day to my husband and a few other people, because you get this, you understand, if you are, if you, the, 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 the pot of frogs dropped into cold water, and then when the water is slowly heated and slowly heated, the frogs just go, isn't this a nice bath? <laughs> Until they're slowly cooked to death. <laughs> Right? I was like the frog came out of another country, dropped into the already hot water in 2000. That's why I could see CNN's communist news network. That's all. Not because I'm special. I just came from a different culture with different eyes and landed into something going, oh my gosh, this is not the land of the free. And so God is changing that. And it, and it actually starts with the church. So he's reforming. He's purifying He's tearing down structures that were wrong that need to be kicked out and he's, he's messing with the foundations of other ones, other parts of the church world that need to be changed and um, um, fixed where there's cracks in the foundation or where there's mixture in the foundation. He's going and purifying it all and it happens in the church first because we have lost so much of this through the last more than 100 years but definitely last 100 years, definitely the last couple of decades. We've lost so much of this because the church stopped being the church in this nation got comfortable. I've got my big buildings. I've got my big budget. And as quickly as the cement dried over in these big mega churches, so did the new programs cement over what God was doing. I've just, I, I have to tell a few stories. Um, in 2012... Some of you know pieces of this story, but there's a lot more story that I don't tell. And the reason I don't tell it is because I don't want to dishonour where I, where I was at the time when it happened. I, I want to be careful with that, right? But, but So in 2012, my husband and I have lived in a neighbourhood um, since 2003, and I walk my neighbourhood, and I've, ju- I've, just, I've always done that since I was like a teenager, I just walk and pray, because Abraham was told everywhere he puts his feet, you know, God, so it just became something, I'll walk and pray then. So since 2003, we moved into a house, and we, I would just walk the neighbourhood praying, 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 Well, f- and finally, I got a bit angry in a, by about... <laughs> Angry with God, I'm not really so, <laughs> not angry with God, just like, why haven't I seen breakthrough? That kind of frustration in prayer to get something from God, right? So 2012 rolls around and I was, I was kind of praying those prayers like, why haven't I seen breakthrough in this neighborhood yet, right? It's good prayers to pray, but don't blame God. He is good all the time. He's absolutely good. Everything he does is good, right? It's, it's like sometimes you don't know all of the details and why things haven't happened. And he's got a timetable that we don't understand. And sometimes the timetable might be to fix things in me because I'm not ready. <laughs> and whatever it is. But um, so around 2012, I was just sitting on the couch one day. And I, was, uh, I didn't have, you know, the phones that we have now. I had like old, like, texting phones. But, but I was sitting on the couch and the Holy Spirit goes, get off the couch and go stand down on your front driveway. There's a girl that's going to come out of that house. That I hadn't met her yet. I knew her name, though. Shajina's going to come out of her house, walk down your street and keep going, but you're going to stop her and ask her to come to church with you. So I was like, okay. It was the middle of the day. She's 12 years old and she should have been at school. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll go stand. I took my phone with me, right? Stand at the front of my driveway, 
in the middle of the day when a girl should be at school. <laughs> but you told me to, so I'm kicking dust. Looking like I had a reason to be there, right? Oh, who am I? <laughs> ten minutes for ten minutes. And I'm down there for ten minutes going, okay, I'm here, Lord. <laughs> Waiting. Anyway, next thing, out of no other, no, the street was empty, so there's no cars. I had a clear shot to a house. Her front door opens. She comes walking out and right down to me. And so I'm like, hello, <laughs> my name's Romy. Are you Shijin? Like, totally goofballish, because now I'm really excited. Because <laughs> it happened. <laughs> right? And, and so God is, um, God just goes, yeah, just talk to us. So I, I introduced myself and, um, she was like wagging school. What's the American word? Hooky. Hooky. We call it wagging in Australia. <laughs> Skipping school. So, so, so I was like, that's okay. Come to church with me anyway. <laughs> so, so she did. And this little girl gave her life to Jesus. And she was 12. And, 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 but then what happened then was for the, next, the period of the next six months, through this little girl and myself, 150 young people from our neighborhood, immediate neighborhood, young people came to the Lord. And, um, and probably about 50 adults, like parents, adults that were connected to the kids going, where's my kid going, right? And they should, adults should do that. And um, so it was, almost, it was almost 200 people and it was a little bit more than six months period and it was really um, great but also not great. And so people know that part of the story. The next part of the story is what you don't know but this is where I, I've struggled but I know I've got to tell it. Because most of them all fell out of church. Most of them don't follow the Lord now. And that's a really hard thing for me. Um, so what happened was for six months it just kept growing and growing. And I, there was a couple of mums from the neighbourhood. One still lives there. Not even Christians, but with vans. I've got a van. And they're like, we've got a van too. We'll help you. I was like getting these mums to help me drive these kids to youth group, bussing them because we live about 25 minutes from the church, bussing these kids. Then finally got a bus driver and we got a bus, an actual bus. And so they'd go and pick people up and bring them from our neighbourhood into youth and sometimes to Sunday night church. And um, I was, I was but, I, but I'm one person Right? And then these other unsaved mums, or newly saved, two neighbours, and, and this other one from around the, the gymnastics teacher. And, and so I'm like desperately trying to ask for people in the church that I already, by the way, am on staff with. I'm a pastor. I'm asking other people, help me, help me. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, just bring them to the meeting. I'm like, I'm doing that. <laughs> We're turning up every week. They need discipling. I need young people. They didn't want me to run a Bible study because I was too old. Like, too old? Like, what? Okay, it's not my choice to make that, but I'll, I'll do, I'll work within the system, right? But I need help, so send me the young people. I'll train your young people that you send me from the youth department. I'll train them how to run Bible studies. I've got 150 young people. Help me, help me. Months go by, months go by, and these young people then that are just turning up to an event going, what's this about? not getting discipled. So some of them ended up in another church and I was actually really okay with that. Smaller church that had the ability to really grab them and bring them in. Because that's what family does. That's what discipleship is. Bring people in. Part of, open up my heart and my life and my home and, and become part of me, my family. That's what church is about. So, so after a year, after a full year, 
it was the hardest lesson I had to walk through because these are people that I was doing church with that I dearly love, dearly loved. But I just went, oh my gosh, these people won't move with God. These people are too inflexible now because the cement dried over in the mega church size building and solidified programs and solidified the event is the thing, the building fund is the thing. And they had 150 brand new young people hungry for the Lord, hungry, desperate. And these people had real needs. These young people had real needs. And so it would have mean, meant to get messy, like getting messy with people in their lives. Discipleship takes it getting messy, the willingness to get messy. It's actually really heartbreaking. And I, and I still, before the Lord, will talk to him about that, that what happened there. Because taking on some of the responsibilities is mine, right? On the one hand, on the one hand, I don't let it wreck me. But understand, suddenly, what was a really great move of God, because man can't manufacture that, right? God, God will move and breathe on things, and if we're not going to be quickly ready to just move, sidestep, change, do what God wants us to do, like move with the cloud, like Moses in the desert, that oh, the cloud's moving, pack up and go. <laughs> oh, oh, it's staying here, we'll stay here for a while, we'll plant here for a while. We've got to be people who are really flexible and understand what it means to do and move with God and do everything he's asking us to do, on a dime if need be. So I love, uh, there's a man called Johnny Enlow. Who loves Johnny Enlow? Yeah, yeah he's great. I heard him this week say, and I was, I, it was good for my heart to hear this, right? He said this week he was doing some evangelistic meetings in Peru and about 3,000 or more people all made decisions to, to come to the Lord in some evangelistic meetings. And then, and then he comes back to America because he lives here. And then he went back about two or three years later and not a single one of those people had been put in, planted into church. All of them disappeared. All of them. And so he's talking to the people down there, like, what happened here? How, why? And, and, and what they realised is the people hadn't been discipled. The people hadn't been grabbed onto and just gone, I'm going to open up my life to you and I want you to open up my life, your life to me because as we do this, we do family really well. I get to know you, you get to know me, messiness and all because all of us come to Jesus with so much mess, right? But as we do that and willingly be vulnerable and willingly open up our hearts and our lives we start to walk in relationship with that other person or people just in general and that's what this, this is what's called church. It's a relationship. It's not turning up to an event on a Sunday morning or a you know, Wednesday night meeting. Church is not, it's never meant to just be something you attend for an hour or two on a Sunday morning and then go home and don't think about God or, or church but you know, tick the box on a Sunday, do my thing and then go about my work week, my routine. Church is the relationship between two, three, and church is wherever two or three are gathered or more, but two or three or more are gathered. That's what church is. And so the discipleship process is the process um, when I just open up. I follow the Lord. I learn to, learn to go on that journey, give permission for him to have his way and keep following, keep hearing, keep following. And then I start taking someone else along with me. And then that person takes someone else along with them. And then that person takes someone else along with them. And then we all find ourselves all going in the same direction toward the Lord. Right? And that's what discipleship is. is follow the Lord. Love the Lord. 
teach and instruct anybody who will listen about what it means to follow the Lord and follow the Lord as well. The spontaneous expansion of the church happens when we just go, I am the church. It's my responsibility to love the person in front of me and teach them who Jesus is. That is how the church grows. It's not about my title. I, I'm ordained, I've, got, I've actually been ordained three times. <laughs> so, but, but, but that's by man. Because man and his denominational things need to have the recognition of the ordination. And, and, and man likes to have the letters and degrees and things, right? But Jesus did not at all have that. In fact, John, the beloved disciple, was probably not even 20 years old when Jesus said, come follow me. And, and he became the disciple that wrote lots of the New Testament, lots of the New Testament. The disciple, my favorite books are the ones written by John, probably because there's so much intimacy in them. It's my thing, right? John 14, 15, 16, if you really want to know what intimacy is, sit in those three chapters. There's just intimacy with the Lord, closeness with the Lord. But, but so Jesus called a bunch of fishermen, right? And then he didn't go, when he was reading this scripture, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. He didn't say, go to seminary, get your ordination, make sure that you know the seven points of what a disciple is, create three formulas and write a manual, and then go preach. And not that I'm against any of that. I'm getting a degree right now, right? I, I, I'm, I'm for education. I have, we have a school. <laughs> I, I am for keeping on learning, stay on the process of learning, but I, but I am not for that is the qualifier. It is not the qualifier. It's the Holy Spirit in you that is the qualifier. The calling upon your life is the qualifier. Your testimony of who Jesus is and what he's done in your life is the qualifier for you to be someone who's in, in full-time ministry. And you might have a job that is maybe writing computer programs, but the person next to you is who you're called to reach and you are in full-time ministry because you carry the Holy Spirit with you there. Amen. Someone said yes very loud. Yeah. Every believer is in full-time ministry. Every single believer. I used to have a job where I actually got to touch people all day, like lay hands on them. <laughs> like physical therapy, we just have a different word in Australia. I would like lay hands on them, like, oh yeah, has this hurt? <laughs> but I'm literally, I was praying for them <laughs> all day long. It was all day long. But it was great because quite a few of them ended up coming to church and giving their lives to Jesus. And because and they didn't even know, they're just turning up to get like their a neck adjustment or something. <laughs> and I'm like, so Jesus, get in them. <laughs> so, and half the time they're lying with their face down, so they don't know I'm praying in tongues. Can't see my face. So, so you're in full-time ministry. It doesn't matter what you're doing or where you are, you are in full-time ministry. When I was 16 in my school, I, would, I knew the Abraham verse, right? Wherever I set my feet, I, I, Jesus is going to give it to me. So he just taught me. I would walk around my town and then walk around my school and pray. Um, and I'd fast every Monday just because he asked me to. And so what, my, my little town and, and my school, we ended up having a lot of people come to the, know the Lord. And it's not... It's not, when I'm not special, we're not special, but, but we really are. Thank you. You have to know if God, who is the one who set the sun in its place and it has obeyed him ever since at there, let there be light. It's obeyed him ever since. That God thinks that you're really special. So you should think you're really special. If he validates you and he loves you and he gives you the dignity of coming and making your heart his home, 
you should think you're pretty special to him. And that's not pride in a wrong sense. It's arrogant pride, actually. is very different to that. This is, it takes great humility for you to accept the fact that the Holy Spirit is in you so that he could make you special, so that he could make something of your life and put purpose on you and anointing on you and anoint you so that where you are in your own workplace or school place or whatever you are, whatever you're doing on any given day, that he is with you and he wants to be with you. The creator wants to be with you and that specialness given to you should be so life-changing in you, but it takes humility to accept that, right? And that humility with the boldness of that, that revelation, that's unstoppable. And that's how the church expands spontaneously. The spontaneous expansion of the church happens when people just go, oh, I understand that this one creator, this, the really, really special one, thinks my heart, I'm, I'm, I'm his home, he thinks I'm pretty special that he'd make my heart his home. That revelation should so, should, should so um, change us that no matter wherever we go, we literally are spilling out of our mouth is our love for him. Spilling out of our mouth is the words about how good he is and what he's done and the testimonies. And, and, and so there's an aliveness. Oh, that's not even a word, right? Oh, it is now. <laughs> there's an aliveness on the inside, you are alive to him, you come alive to him, the greater revelation of that, the more open you are to him, the, the, the more alive you become in him, the more filled with the Holy Spirit you will be, by the way, understand what it means to be someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with God to go out and do great exploits for him. Every single one of us, doesn't matter our age, physical, like birth age, human age, or Christianity, like whenever you became a Christian, does not matter. Every single one of us has got purpose and plan and great exploits the Father has planned for you to have. Divine appointments every day that you walk out of your front door. There's divine appointments. Um, um, I'm going to tell a story and, I, you know, there's a man, there was a man one time, my food line, I talk about my food line, <laughs> I, I'm there a lot, <laughs> so I can go there without a mask on, <laughs> so there every day, hi people, <laughs> smiling, people need to see smiles, for real, like they do, they do, so anyway, um, this was pre-COVID though, I, I pulled up my car one day and two Two spaces away from me, there was a guy trying to awkwardly get on a really, one of those really big fat boy Harley things. It's a lower bike, a big fat boy. He's trying to swing his legs over and he's got like two bags, like plastic bags in each hand. I guess he was going to ride home like this. <laughs> he had big panniers on the back. I don't know why he wasn't using them. But, 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 but anyway, he's getting over his bike, but, but slow motion started, the bike started to fall. Oh, I know. People have got bikes like, ooh. <laughs> like you feel it, don't you? <laughs> so so it, the bike just, it's just like, it was it's slow motion in my head. It probably wasn't that then. But, but slow motion, the bike just fell on him. He got his leg out of the way, but he rolled off. And out of the two bags, he had two six-packs of beer in bottles, bottles, and they smashed his beer everywhere. And like, so one like flipped up like that. That was a loud, it was a loud smash at the time. By the time it like flipped all the way over, glass everywhere, beer everywhere. As I'm getting out of my car, so, you better tell me what those jokes are later. <laughs> so, so, anyway, so, so <laughs> anyway, that's action. See, I had, 
It's off. It's all right. Thanks. Oh. So, so I walk over to the man and um, he's drunk, like really drunk, not a little. Not, I just had one beer. He's probably had two six-packs already. He'd gone to the store to get two more. So anyway, so I, I turn up and he's really embarrassed, as you would be. Whereas if you're drunk, you can't be that embarrassed. But, but you, you, later, maybe. <laughs> I hate beer, like hate it. I don't care if you guys enjoy a glass of beer every now and then. I don't care, but I don't like it. I don't like the smell of it, nothing. But I'm walking up to this man and who's covered in it too now. And he's trying to get his bags together and he's, he's like not, he's like, do I pick up my, my bike first or my glass everywhere? So I just started picking it all up and cleaning it up for him and helped him prop his bike back up and talking to him. Um, have you got a ride home? Can I, can I give you a ride home? <laughs> Holy Spirit told me, and I, check your theology on this, don't get upset at me. Holy Spirit told me to go buy two more, replace the two six packs. So I did and I come back out, replaced them. Still, he's still trying to get himself together, and, and we've got a ride home for him, though. And I went home and went, I don't... The church I'm in right now would have every kind of theological reason why what I did today was really bad. <laughs> but I know, I know, I just gave the man some dignity, helped him get his bike back up, and helped... He couldn't even clean up the glass, so he just picked up all the glass... And I'm not too concerned about a person's theology if they're going to fault me for doing something like that because I know the dignity that I have in my heart. And so I won't come under the judgment of someone else who's going to be going, what are you doing buying him more beer? He was already drunk. I know he was already drunk. I know he was. It's not about that. It's about this poor man who's fallen over and there was lots of people watching and laughing. And, and so you can turn up into a situation and add your critical laughter and mocking or you can turn up in the situation and try and cover the person. Just help them. And I just, I, I prayed a little bit and I just got to go, I've never seen the man again since, but I prayed a little bit and just went, God, I just, I don't know, help him, bless him. And I told him that Jesus loved him because that's what he needed to hear. He's so embarrassed, right? And there's gathering people, some people laughing, another woman came to help me clean up, which I was, I was grateful for. But the, our ability just to love people that's the beginning process of a discipleship and your willingness to just get messy no matter what turns up into your life or who turns into, up into your life. Another story I have is um, I was coming home one day between we had um, a really big conference, successful conference, packed, big building, very successful in the church world, right? You'd be like, yeah, look at me, right? Um, Anyway, so I'm going home between, between meetings just for a couple of hours and I had my kids in the car with me and I was just driving on the, on the road and one of my oldest son, Liam, goes, oh, there's a homeless person over by the 7-Eleven there, did you see her? And I was like, no, I didn't, but we stopped at a traffic light so I had a look back and sure enough, it was like 100 degree, degree day, no shade and Virginia Beach is hot, right? So we turn around, turn the car around, go back and buy our water and turn up and um, I'm in conference clothes, really nice ones. <laughs> I just come from hanging out in green rooms. <laughs> so I'm like looking pretty high heels. <laughs> so, anyway, this woman wasn't homeless, but she was a prostitute. And so she gave me a story, and I'll cry. <laughs> so, so I, we just gave her the water, and then my, my son went back to the car and waited with my other kids. And, I, and this woman, broken, broken life, right? She was sweaty and messy and dirty, but she hugged me and hung on to me and, and like, shook cry, like, <laughs> snot 
I'm wear I was wearing her snot when I walked away. But, you know, it was one of those really, really big, big, big cries, right? And, and so and, um, I got to pray with her and share the gospel with her. And I haven't seen that lady again since, right? But God can use any other person that will turn up in her life like that to still keep showing her love. And this is what the point is. The more we just own our city, we get to disciple it. I drove away from that lady back to my house and with her, her, a lot of stuff on me, snot and smelling like her and her sweat. And, and I said to the Lord, I don't want to forget this smell. I don't want to get... I'm so important. Look at me. I speak at a conference. That's not the thing. That's not it. It's not, it's not the church thing, right? I don't want to forget her smell because her smell was one of the brokenness of humanity and humanity needs people who will just step up and not care that I've got high heels on and it's a hot day. Humanity is broken and in need and the church itself is being reformed right now because the church lost that focus in America. Like the church in America has just got very homogenized. You don't know if it's what kind of church you're even walking to, into because like a seashore church doesn't say what we are. If you want to know, I'm a charismatic Pentecostal. <laughs> I'm not an evangelical. We don't even use that word in Australia. When I landed here, I went, what is evangelical? Everybody talks about this evangelical thing. And then I deep dived and went, definitely not that. If you knew the history. <laughs> So I'm, I, I'm, I'm what would be called charismatic Pentecostal. Charismatic Pentecostal is I am filled with the Holy Spirit yeah. and I obey him. Yeah. That's all it means. But we get, we get, we get um, importance from the name and from the, from the schools that we go to and the seminaries and my, my pastor's got this many letters after their name and this opportunity and this big building and this is who we've got coming to speak at our church this weekend and we have all of the wrong priorities and the priority is the broken woman at the 7-Eleven who needs you to stop and just show her some love or the man who doesn't know how to put, pick his bike up let alone do life, he's junk, right? He's junk because he doesn't know how to do life. So, of course, he's dropping his bike in the food line car park and spilling his beer. He, doesn't, he needs help. And this is what discipling the nations looks like. The nations. And you go, that's a really big call. It is a really big call. But what's that little story about the little kid that's walking along the beach? And he goes, well, I can start with this one, Starfish. You know that poem? There's some, there's some kind of famous poem where there's a little kid walking with an older man going, you can't save all the starfishes. Fish? Fish eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you can't save all the f stuff, star, fish. Sea stars. If you go to the aquarium now, they don't let you call them starfish. You've got to call them sea stars. They changed it. And, you know, all the political correctness these days. <laughs> so, so you, can, you can't call them coloured orange. It's just a sea star. It's genderless too. No. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Pull it back. <laughs> so, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, sea stars. Starfish. <laughs> starfish. The little kid, the little kid is walking along and the older person's going, you can't save all the starfish. And the little kid bends down and picks up one and just throws it back and he goes, well, I helped that one. <laughs> and that's the point, isn't it? It's not, we can't reach everybody. I can't reach the people that you work with and that you live next door to, but I can reach my people. 
And that's the whole point. I just reach my people, you reach your people, we all just do our thing, we do our part and that's what the body of Christ all have different function. We don't have the same function, we don't have to look alike, we don't have to sing alike, we don't have to pray alike, we don't have to, we don't even have to have all our theology the same. We don't. I don't need to go around fixing people's theology that I don't agree with and I'm deep in theology, like I'm a nerd. (laughs) Proudly. Don't laugh. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a nerd and the half the room laughs. I'm like, the other half are nerds as well, so don't laugh. <laughs> so, so, so. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Psalm 2.8 is... Um, ask of me and I'll give nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. God wants the nations. Um, I got off the, I mean, I did this, I don't know how many years ago. It's like really bad. I'm not thinking you're going to be able to read it. It's like font six so I could fit them all on. It's it's, um, 257 countries. There's actually not that many countries, but that came from the CIA website, so who knows? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, different, different, different groups of people have different countries. <laughs> there's a few extra countries depending on what site you visit. <laughs> and there's a few less countries depending on what site you visit. I did that, though, and I just put it all in alphabetical order. And I stuck it there and God just went, put those two scriptures, Psalm 2.8, which is, ask of me and I'll give you the nations of your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth. Matthew 28, verse 9 and 10, go and make disciples of all nations. Our job is go make disciples of all nations because in Psalm 2, where it's ask of me and I'll give you nations, it's really, we ask for the prayer because it's our job to bring it in, but it's our job to give it back to Jesus. It's actually the Father in Psalm 2. It's really saying to Jesus, I'm giving you the nations because all authority, all power has been given back to you. The cross meant, his death and resurrection meant that everything got returned back to him. Nothing was left outside. Not a single thing. And so we bring the nations back to Jesus. It's our job. He's done his work. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit's in us now, empowering us to go do our job, our part. Our part is get up, rise up, be the army that we're created to be. No more soft, complacent, apathetic Christianity. No more just me and my little comfortable thing. Christianity is not comfortable. Christianity is not comfortable. It's been comfortable here in America for a few decades only because <laughs> before that it wasn't here, even here. In fact, in the early 1900s, people were going to jail because they were laying hands on the sick. So one man went to jail <laughs> I don't know, quite a few times. Was it D.L. Moody? Uh, no, uh, Jackie Lake and then some other. Uh, jail, J- I didn't know about John J. Lake going to jail, but D.L. Moody was in um, Chicago and he went to jail a few times because he wouldn't stop laying hands on the sick because that's what the Bible tells us, lay hands on the sick and they'll be made well. And the doctors got mad because they were getting no business. <laughs> they, they, they went to the city officials and said, put this man in jail. <laughs> and they made up all kinds of crazy things to get him put in jail. So America, church in America over the last few decades has been safe here, but it's not always been the case. And, um, but, but God wants the nations 
And for, for us to bring him the nations, it means we've got to stand up and recognize this is not always going to be safe and comfortable. I might lose sleep. I might have to wear someone else's sweat on my clothes. I have to get messy. There has to be willingness for me to get messy. There has to be willingness for me to just go, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one that steps up and meets this woman's need right now, which is a simple bottle of water, right, and a hug on a hot day. Um, I'm going to be the one that's going to step up and clean up this man's beer, and I hate the smell of it, right? Because he just needs to know someone will give him dignity, as he probably hasn't been given dignity for a long time like that. Yeah. So the spontaneous expansion of the church is supposed to happen through our lives. So I'm going to pray. Jesus, we do, um, again, we just come and give you our lives. Again, we come and want to you to have your way through our life. Every day we wake up, I pray, I pray that you would start speaking to our hearts so that the first breath that we take when we wake up in the morning, we're immediately thankful We're immediately thankful for the breath in our lungs and what you've done. We're immediately thankful for your presence and you've been like hovering over us, waiting for us to wake up, to re-engage our heart again the next day and the next day and the next day, every day. God, I pray that we'd be understanding who you are. You are good. You are absolutely good. You are all-powerful. You are creator of everything. But you, you call us special. You call us holy, set apart, your special, peculiar people dedicated unto you. We are special to you. So I pray in this room that people would actually start to see who they are in you and get their purpose, that you'd really work on the purpose that they have, their identity, that you'd be writing it, Father, healing it where it needs healing, tweaking it, breaking down strongholds that have limited or hindered in any way. I pray for absolute clarity of vision, seeing vision of who they are in you. Who we are in you is so important, God. Help us be people who get up as your army, get up and do all the things you're asking us to do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Yes, so thank you. Um, we're going to have, we, if, anybody, if anybody wants to have some prayer ministry after the service, we'll just come up to the side of the side of the area here. There'll be a few of us here just waiting that can pray for you because we love to do that. So whenever at the end of a close of a meeting, sometimes it seems like we close pretty quickly, but we always will have people here ready ready to pray for you if you want prayer for anything right you don't even have to tell us you can just stand up and say can you pray for me because god knows (laughs) sometimes you might want to share because sometimes the sharing can help bring some accountability whatever it is doesn't matter we'll just have some people over here praying um here's the other thing um really don't go out of your house today or tomorrow or ever again without remembering you carry the lord jesus christ for a purpose. It's to bless you, yes, because he wants a relationship with you. But through you, he wants to reach every person you come in contact with. And he's the one empowering you to do it. He empowers you to do it. We don't do it on our own strength. So do not walk out of your front door. Like as you lock that door and walk over to your car or wherever, whatever you use for transport, do not do it without thinking, what divine appointments have you got for me today, God? And sometimes it can be easy as just loving someone in a car park and giving them a cold drink of water. Other times it might be so much more, you might lead them to Jesus in the car park or he'll see some massive healing. But, but just be, be, be people on mission every day. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.